0: Ah, oh, we missed it. We missed it. Mm-hmm. I'm, listen, by the way, uh, audience, I am uh, interviewing for a co host. Um, <laughs> I'm at one hour and two minutes and okay. 51, 52, 53. All right, okay. I'm
1: almost there. Do
0: you want me to pause and you? Yeah. Uh huh. Okay. You tell me when you're at one hundred three oh two, and count me up, Mike. All right, one hundred three oh two. We lost a lot of
2: time. It's going to be three, two,
3: one, go. Hey, listen, you have to transmission
2: those all together. You think we're going to be able to blow up? I'm
0: afraid to look at your screen. Okay, so now we learn that there's a roadblock ahead. Okay, and you know there's no way they're going to get through it. So. Burt good Reynolds job. gets this great idea. We'll piggyback on the back is, of a truck.
2: Is He's is he on a CB, and is he talking CB shit. He's like, hey, ten four, 4 good buddy. It's a smoky. We, we got you a, a uh, smoky. Just guy. the lightest
0: little bit. Bandit. Okay, that plate is from the James Bond movies. It's um, Golden... Uh, golden I have it. I'm not sure which two. I have it here.
2: The man with the golden arm?
0: It might be the fly who bugged me. (laughs) (laughs) That's their joke in this movie.
2: Yeah. That's a real joke in this movie? Yeah. Someone put that in a screenplay and got paid for it? Yeah,
0: Bianca Jagger goes, oh my goodness, it's so hot! And he goes, I don't know, when I was in Cairo, shooting the fly who bugged me, it was 130 in the
4: shade!
2: The fly who bugged me. <laughs> oh man. That's how the Peabody that's how they won the Peabody Award. you were
1: to the Weekly Review with Roman. Yay! It's Friday, April 16th, 2021. Thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, good to be back here on a Friday. We recorded, and by we generally, ooh, uh, the last show on uh, this past Monday, and that is up right now on the server, so please check out that episode, and we'll also update our page, weeklyrep.org. We're broadcasting live here from Mutiny Radio. We're on the corner of 21st and Florida, and we are in San Homeland of the for the in original inhabitants of the San Francisco Peninsula. And for more information, go to weeklyrev.org. And on our land acknowledgement page, there's a lot of resources, places to donate, including the Land Trust, as well as threads of native news outlets to follow and more action items that folks can take to be in solidarity with indigenous communities. On the show today, I will be playing uh, an interview that I did uh, yesterday, and so excited. uh, I spoke with uh, Shonda Ja. and so we just had a really great talk, and I really miss speaking with folks, and super grateful that we were able to have a very uh, enlightening conversation, and there's humor in it, too, which is always important when talking about lots of issues that are just, can be incredibly heartbreaking and difficult, how to navigate the world that is as it is right now. So I'll be playing that in just a bit. Please do tune in. Yeah, really excited to share it. So uplifting. Really appreciate speaking. Start off with some music as we usually do. Change it up. I recognize that some shows have theme songs. I just uh, have not decided to do that. So, start off with a song by Pete Seeger called Hobo's Lullaby. And I picked up this record, a uh, literal record, uh, at Community Thrift. Because on the back they had some of the lyrics for that song, including uh, uh, "Police cause trouble everywhere, and when you go to heaven, there will be no police." Yep, gonna stand by that. Those those lyrics there. So I thought that'd be a good song to open up the show with. And then following that was a kind of uh, faster song called "Bedhead" by Manchester Orchestra, and we'll be playing some more music throughout the show. And um, first, I'm just gonna go ahead and play this interview. Yay, yay, I'm excited to, uh, to share it with you all. And here we go. I, the first part of it's cut off a little bit, but uh, here we go, and this is uh, Shonda Ja.
5: New work identity. I'm no longer the executive director of the Oakland Peace Center. Oh. Um, I, yeah. I we moved to a horizontal staffing structure at the OPC. So now I'm a contract employee and the people that I brought onto the team are now my boss. Um, so it's really (laughs) cool. It's really exciting. Um, and it's a huge change. I was the founder of that organization and, uh, there were a lot of blood, there was a lot of blood, sweat and tears that went into it. And so I only handed my keys in, uh, last week. And that was a whole thing. Um, so mm. now I am a freelance consultant uh, doing anti-oppression work um, and working with nonprofits, working with faith communities, uh, doing diversity, equity, and inclusion, or doing anti-oppression or doing intersectionality work, doing community organizing even uh, in some of those spaces. So. It's definitely more where my joy is. It's definitely more where my passion is uh, these days. Um, I'm not a great administrator, and that's what being an ED mostly is. I see. So, yeah. So that's going on, and I'm also working on my next book. Um, so that's exciting. Oh,
1: excellent. Can we, can we talk about your next book?
5: Absolutely, and it ties into the event I want to talk to you about. So yes. Um, My next book is on how connecting with the spiritual and cultural practices of our ancestors can equip us for the work of dismantling white supremacy. It's kind of exciting. Yeah. And I think it's true true for white people as well as people of color. And that's some of what's um, interesting to be playing around with is how we identify ancestors, which ancestors have been withheld from us. Mm. How we help heal our ancestors. Yeah. Um, so all of that's part of the work. I don't know if that stuff you've thought much
1: about before. Um, definitely. I mean, I feel like I didn't really. Um, so I'm just for listeners or whomever. Like I'm Ashkenazi Jewish, and my grandparents came over from Eastern Europe, and I didn't really. I know I knew one grandparent, and that's. So I feel like. sense of where I came from, but also not so much as to beyond a certain point. Um, Sorry, I can kind of hear myself a little bit, so it's a little bit distracting. Um, <laughs> yeah, I definitely have thought about it a lot with wanting to like, have known them or struggle, and like knowing a little bit from what I've heard from what they went through, especially my mom's father wow. his family and, and what it's like just to lose family members. And uh, I, even though I didn't know them, I still feel like my mom carried from her father some, you know, some of those genetic those feelings. Uh, the, um, uh, and it's, I inherited some of that as well. So yeah. think about epigenetics, I guess. What I was yes. So it's something to definitely, and like how many folks, cause it's like the world, just, there's always been, like as far as I know, like violence that more people than not have experienced and we hold it within us and it's still happening this day in various ways um, especially in this country so like how do we continue to go about our day while holding what has happened in the past and what we've inherited
5: yes yes i think that's absolutely right and i think there's something about it's interesting because i think as i've been thinking about this i'm Living in this tension of our ancestors weren't perfect, and so this idea of kind of reconnecting to our ancestors isn't kind of a magical solution to a problem. Mm-hmm. Um, and they did an awful lot of things in order to survive, and they made yes. decisions based on the desire to make sure that we would exist. Um, mm. And so, where do I, where do I embrace? the wisdom, uh, and their ability to survive and their ability sometimes to thrive. Uh, and where do I say they did what they could with the tools they had, and it's my job to do better because they created a space for me to exist. And where do I hold them accountable? And what do Mm. I need to forgive? What do I need to let go of? What do I need to make right on their behalf? So I think sometimes we engage it as a very romantic thing, and it isn't necessarily, yeah. um, but it's also really profound and powerful and can open up all sorts of stories and connections that have been withheld from us because this this country in particular, but the economy in general, thrives on us being disconnected, being disconnected yes. from each other, being disconnected from our... Origin stories, being disconnected from the legacies of the freedom fighters that came before us, um, all of that. And so, just that act of connecting, I think, yes. is really profound.
1: As well as being disconnected from ourselves, too. Yes. And, like, what is, you know, what, what's offered to us and what's possible.
5: Exactly.
1: Exactly. And there's such so material there just and like so much to explore as well and i think yep. it's definitely applicable, applicable to like absolutely everybody
5: oh my gosh it totally is there's some really exciting stuff and it's been really interesting to watch who ha- who i've talked with who's come at it with great enthusiasm and uh even gratitude and who's come at it with great anxiety
6: yes. um
5: yes. and it's really interesting to to reflect on how both of those are understandable responses, and I'm excited for some of my um, for some of my white friends who have been kind of saying, well, what do I do oh, with the fact sorry. that I'm... Oh, did you lose me?
1: Uh, yeah, just a moment. If you would just go back and if you could please repeat what you were just saying.
5: Yeah, so I'm really excited for some of my uh, white friends to... Who have said to me, "Well, what do I do with the fact that I'm just a mutt?" For them to get to realize who they are beyond this construct of whiteness, um, one of my friends, yes. yeah, one of my friends who said this to me is from Oklahoma, and I'm like, "Have you ever thought that Woody Guthrie is one of your ancestors?" Like, <laughs> your ancestors aren't just biologically constructed, right? Um, your ancestors are the people who shared the soil with you, who had different ways of engaging the world whose uh, work of liberation is something you get to claim. Uh, I think there's something really powerful about that. And I have to do my own work, right? I'm South Asian, um, mixed-race South Asian. My family are Brahmins. We may have gone through a lot of horrors. We may have survived some really awful stuff at the hands of colonialism. Mm -hmm. But also within our context, um, we were... We were rural. We didn't have a lot of resources, but we always had land. Mm -hmm. Um, So what does it mean that we always had access to land and the privilege that goes along with that and the position we held uh, within, you know, in communities that had nothing, we always had a little something. Mm -hmm. Um, And so what's some of the work I have to do to make right? uh, all of the things that my ancestors benefited from, right? Mm. So, yeah, so there's a lot of complexity to it and it's really exciting and I'm curious to see, um, what possibilities for solidarity actually emerge out of all of us doing our own work.
1: Yes. Yeah. Oh, that's exciting. I look forward to reading that. I thought we could talk a little bit about the upcoming event that you had also... Right! ...and said was, like, tied into the book.
5: It totally is! So, yeah, I am really excited. And you may have already talked to people, or you may know people who have gone through this program, but mm-hmm. I'm really excited about the fact that I got to be one of the Spring residents, Artists in Residence, uh, for Radar Productions' Show Us Your Spines program. Uh, it's. I figured you probably knew some folks who had gone through it, yeah. Um, so it's done in partnership with the San Francisco Public Library, which not everybody knows has an LGBTQIA archives. Um, and so this residency connects um, queer and trans people of color artists with those collections of those archives. And they personally curate, you know, we say, here's the area I wanna focus on and they curate uh, materials for us to research over the course of about a month. Oh. And then we put together a performance piece that gets showcased. And the showcase is April 22nd, 6 p.m. Pacific. Um, and it's on uh, it's on the Twitch channel for The Stud uh, is okay. where you can find it. Yeah, so okay. that's really cool. It's another partnership. They also partner with The Stud. Excellent. Yeah, and so, my piece is actually about this subject. It's about connecting with the stories of queer South Asian immigrant ancestors. Because mm. I was really hoping to tap into some of their wisdom to ground me. Yes. Um, yes. Now, what was mind blowing, I was not expecting this, uh, was the very amazing curator of those archives, Mason Jay. Uh, yes. Oh, you know, Mason, yay. Yes.
1: Mason's been on the show before. Of yeah. course,
5: they have. I love that. Um, so, so Mason did this really great, um, you know, check-in with me and with all all four of us. And and at the end of kind of saying, so here are the materials I'm going to pull for you. Mason also did a card reading to solicit mm. the wisdom of the ancestors. Ooh. And. Mason said that what the ancestors were telling them uh, to tell me was it would be very easy for my project to get wrapped up in and consumed by shame, by their shame, or even by my Mm -hmm. shame. And that what the ancestors wanted me to focus on was stories of joy, stories of resistance, stories of their power. Mm -hmm. And I thought... Oh sure, of course, that's how I do my anti-racism work. That's gonna be easy. Um, Silly ancestors, don't they know I already (laughs) do that? Um, And then I realized that to tap into the story of queer South Asian ancestors in this area, the primary resource I had, thanks to a couple of friends who do this work, is because of their prison records. Mm. The only reason we know they existed and we know that they were engaged in same gender love or same gender sex was because they were sent to San Quentin for quote unquote crimes against nature. Mm. And so it turns out the ancestors were not as stupid as I thought they were, cause they were like, yeah, you're gonna confront the fact that the whole way that South Asian male, in particular, identity was constructed in this country was deviancy and not real manhood and corrupting of real American men, right? That was how Mm. the court discussions always went, was how these deviant men who weren't really men, um were trying to destroy american which meant white young men and trying to pull them into this depraved lifestyle and so there was something about you know we talk a lot about how asian women are exotified and how that's weaponized against asian women um Mm -hmm. in that time when in this country for the most part people were still thinking in a gender binary uh, manhood was brought into question because of orientation and that intersected with very much with um, with race and mm-hmm. um, historic location and you see the photos of these dudes they're big buff hard-working like farm hands and construction workers um, who are being classified in a very different way than what they're presenting um appearance would indicate.
6: Mm.
5: And so there was something about, I mean, it brings to light how ridiculous the constructs of race and gender are, um, and the binaries uh, around gender as well. And so to sit with those images, to read those court documents, and to think, where's the joy in that story? Hmm. Gives me a chance, and this is not something I have spent a lot of time doing in a public way, gives me a chance to sit with if they took that level of risk. Yes. What was the joy of that physical connection? What was the joy of Mm. that sexual connection? Um, And to really honor how powerful that is, I think is pretty amazing and has something to teach us. Yes. Yeah, so, I mean, dude, I only got, like, ten minutes to uh, do a piece, so I don't get into tons oh. of detail, but, you know, just getting to delve into that subject was really mind-blowing to me. I don't know if that brings up stuff for you, because you've done a lot of uh, research into some of this kind of stuff as well. Maybe slightly different, but, you know, aligned.
1: A, l- a little bit, yeah. Yeah, it's, um, like as far, more as far as, like, the history of queerness goes. Yeah. Sorry, I've been cutting out a little bit. Um, okay. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's certainly even, I guess the best way I can relate to it right now is just in terms of, like, I'm 40 and seeing what's changed in the last, you know, a few decades. Or I mean, I came out in high school, so I'm thinking about, like, what's, com- what's changed since then in terms of homophobia and transphobia yeah. and, like, my own internalization of those, unfortunately, which is, like, ubiquitous, especially despite growing up in or around cities and being raised by fairly leftist, open-minded people, still, like, these messages of anti-queerness are so – in the 80s, they're, like, so – like, they're everywhere, the media, like, the politicians, and then it's so difficult not to internalize some of those messages, even if there is um, so much that's trying to counter that. And, of course, it all just ties into colonialism and white supremacy and it's so thinking about what's changed you know since younger which is like what, what folks now who are growing up have at least as like disability friends, media which I, I know definitely is a whole conversation on to its own and also it's like wow there are like trans characters played by trans people on yep. this show that is fucking awesome yep. you know us trans men we got like Hillary Swank so yep. like this is like there are so yeah. Obviously visibility is not everything but it's like oh wow. and then I think about with the with the I just saw this great documentary called uh about David Voynorovich, who was a, a queer artist in the eighties and like a lot of what he was talking about then is still going on, certainly politically, but with all the homophobia around the HIV and AIDS crisis yeah. and what folks then were going through. And then you know, just thinking about like when, you know, folks could be arrested for like separate not like arrested for cross Cross-dressing, and I'm using quotation marks, listeners. Yes. Um, and just how like, and police raiding gay bars, which I know they still do, but like, sure. still how criminalized Ernest has been, and so, so, and yeah. how there's like there's like so much to get into here, but just yeah. how the, the history of people's bodies have been policed and it's still happening. It just maybe looks different. Absolutely. Yeah, I guess I was pretty uh. It's
5: a lot. It's a lot. And there's something about, I mean, you're talking about internalization. Like, the fact that Mason said the ancestors were like, pay attention to your own shame. Don't get sucked into it. Like, that's Mm -hmm. a thing, right? Um, And so to think about what so many people before us have sacrificed so that we could push harder for more is pretty amazing. And so I te- I'm, sorry, I'm, I'm you finding, m- oh, sorry. Sorry, if you just repeat that, I just uh,
6: it, yeah. Yes,
5: yeah, absolutely. Um, so I really appreciated that Mason let me know the ancestors had told me to be aware of my own shame in this process, yes. because that internalization is a real thing. And so I my—I have found myself recently paying a lot of attention to how much gratitude I can extend to the people who went before who took such huge risks and were, yes. were so bold and brave, whose stories I'm only beginning to learn um, yes. because they made it possible for us to fight even louder for more. And I right. think that's pretty amazing.
1: Yes, yeah, definitely, that we're, part of the reason that we're here is that because of o- other folks were able to be out and yep. took risks and were often punished for it. Yep, Absolutely. And oftentimes it. Mm-hmm. And I think about that as a, as a trans person quite often, just how things were not easy, however, they're so much easier in terms of accessing medical care. I mean community.
5: Yes, yes, yes. And there are people who made that possible, right?
1: Absolutely. Love that. And I think the yeah, and I think the idea for all of us is that we want to make it so the next generation will have it easier. Yes. There's always so much work to be done. <laughs> There's so much work to be done. And I mean,
5: it, yeah. I'm, I'm laughing about that, but I mean, thirty. States. I, I'm sure you've done shows just on this subject, and I'm not the expert on this, but, like, um, 33 states uh, trying to move through anti-trans legislation
1: right mm-hmm. now, right? Yeah. It's yeah. sickening. It's uh, it's disgusting and it's cruel. I mean, I run out of adjectives each time. Yep.
5: As well as it's lazy. I mean, they've gone to the uh, effort of saying, who is it that we can get the most collective contempt for? Right, um, right. And let's just do that. Um, mm-hmm. So, I mean, on top of it being just, yeah, there are no adjectives, but, like, anti-human and just absolutely deplor- deplorable, it is also just profoundly lazy. Because mm. um, they can't say, here's what we're for.
1: Right, right. They don't care about the the health of even cis women because they let all these predators out. Yep.
5: Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, when you say we have so much work to do, it's very, very true. And that's where some of my strength is increasingly coming from, is who are the people before who did this, right? Like, including people that I had heard of and didn't know the story, right? Like, I celebrated Polly Murray as a radical queer feminist and I'm only learning. Oh, there's more to that yeah. story, right? Polly mm, Murray yes. was a trans person without access to um, all of the things that would have made that more possible to live fully into, right? Um, mm-hmm. And Polly Murray was—I mean, we, in some ways, we have Polly Murray to thank for Brown versus Board of Education and all of these mm-hmm. major civil rights victories, because. They were one of the most brilliant legal minds of their time. Um, how amazing is it to now learn that was somebody who was paving a way? Um, for me, in my research, one of, oh, sorry. Did you lose me again?
1: Or can you hear yeah, me okay? Yeah, uh, now I can. You were saying <laughs> to lose the uh,
5: Oh, now I'm losing you. Do you yeah. think it Do you think it would work better if we turned our cameras off? I know that that's not necessarily oh, sure. a guarantee. Is worth yeah, a, try. a try? Yeah. I hate doing it, okay. but...
1: Okay, let's see. Okay.
5: They say that that sometimes improves bandwidth. I have oh, no idea. Oh, okay. Yeah. It's worth a shot. Um, Definitely. I'm Thank sad not suggesting. to get to see your face, but... Um, so, okay, uh, yeah, what a, what an amazing gift it is to learn that Polly Murray was out there fighting uh, for trans rights, somebody who was one of the best legal minds of their time. Uh, mm-hmm. in, in small ways, I mean, in big ways fighting for women, in big ways fighting for black folks, in small ways trying to help us understand different ways of understanding gender, which is mm. part of of the work, right? Um, yes. For me, because I, I am I am a cis woman, um, tending more towards they than she these days, but still a cis woman, um, with. who has never sat f- well within traditional constructs of womanhood um, or what it means to be a woman. As I was doing my research for the this, and this did get mentioned very briefly in, um, in the sh- showcase piece next week, but um, as I was digging through uh, queer South Asian ancestors, I came across a queer East Asian American ancestor, uh, Margaret Jesse Chung, who was the first American-born uh, doctor of Asian descent in this country. And okay, she can you re- repeat the last name, please? Yeah, I Margaret... Sorry, Margaret Jessie Chung, who
4: mm-hmm.
5: was born in San Francisco in... Or maybe, yeah, in Santa Barbara, uh, but moved to San Francisco in, like, 1889 and became the first female... Well, became the first American doctor of Asian descent, Chinese descent, mm. in this country, was a woman, was the most... What? dapper, dresser you could possibly imagine, (laughs) was constantly having affairs with any woman she could get her hands on, was, Uh, uh, yeah, totally, drove drove a sports car at, like, absolute maximum speed through the streets of San Francisco uh, in the 1920s. I mean, she's like, I'm like, I wish I had that level of swagger. And she's doing (laughs) that in the 1920s and the 1930s. She was rumored to have had uh, an affair with, I'm trying to remember, um, a famous movie actress while they were both raising funds for the boys during World War II. Um, She's a legend, and this is like in the 1920s. She dressed better than I dress now, and her way of reshaping what gender meant Mm -hmm. uh, all that time ago is part of why I'm allowed to say, hey, not femme not Butch. I'm, I'm functioning in this different space. Yeah. Um, And how great is it to know that there are people who did that work, maybe not on our behalf, but functionally on our behalf.
6: Mm -hmm. Uh, That
5: brings me a great deal of comfort when I'm like, I feel like everyone keeps trying to put me in a box. I'm like, I bet they tried to put Margaret Chung in a box too, and she wouldn't let them. So it gives me a little more strength for my days.
1: Thank you for sharing that. I mean, there's so many folks out there that we just don't know. There, And it's also just about the selective retelling of history exactly. and who gets celebrated and who doesn't, who gets a movie or ten movies made about them, yep. who gets taught in schools. And there's so many pretty much other folks who uh, – it's just uh, – I don't have the words for it, but yeah. just, I would love to learn more about
5: it. Yes. Yes. Exactly. I hear rumors that there's an excellent documentary about Polly Murray through a trans-affirming lens. Ah. Um, Yeah, apparently somebody I met on Tinder was telling me all about it.
6: Uh, Ah. (laughs) Uh.
5: It it came out at the – I think it was – yeah, I know, right? Um, So apparently it came out uh, 2019 or 2020. It was featured in the San Francisco Film Festival. So yeah, I'm definitely going to have to dig that up. Yeah, there's so many ancestors that uh, can give us strength for the really hard work we have ahead of us. Because it is, it's hard work. It's still hard work.
1: Yeah, I mean, there's yeah, there's so much to push back against. Uh That's what I'm just finding. It's just, it's like it's this on. There's like an ongoing like onslaught of state violence.
6: Yeah,
1: and how to have time to even heal from past trauma. And right. also just rem- remember to like, enjoy the earth and yeah. be joyful and appreciative how yes. to do everything at, at simultaneously sometime. and then take <laughs> a break because it's hard not to I definitely get into that rut where I'm getting yes. the Twitter updates because I don't really trust most, um,
4: for, I don't trust any corporate media but I don't yeah. trust any
1: mainstream media certainly. Mm-hmm. you know reading about like what's happening in Minneapolis right now center, and yeah. it's hard to You know, where does one get to the point where it's like, oh, just by me reading about this, I'm not necessarily sure I might be sharing it with people, but I'm also not, so where's the, where's the point to kind of not necessarily disengage, but to, um, I guess, recognize one can't take on everything at the same time?
5: It's interesting, because this is the thing that I keep pushing, so I do a lot of anti-oppression work and anti- and particularly anti-racism work. That's really, um, really where I focus a lot of my energy. And mm-hmm. I just I just taught this online course. Well, I have an online course that is available for people to take uh, oh. at their leisure. Um, but I did uh, back when it launched, simultaneously facilitate a series of conversations to go along with it. And um, one of the things I push folks to do is say, "It's okay to choose the thing you're going to focus on," and mm-hmm. I think that that is terrifying to some folks because they're like, "But then I can't do all the things." And I'm like, "If you try to do all the things, you're not going to do them well." Yes. Yeah. And if you choose the one thing and do it well, chances are it will end up connecting with the other issues, right? Like,
1: there's yeah, a.
5: Exactly. There's an LGBTQ church that I've done a little bit of work with in Fort Worth. They are, an because, am- I mean, God bless anybody who's doing LGBTQ affirming church work in Fort Worth, Texas. Mm. That is amazing work. Um, and they invited me out a few years ago to do a little intersectionality workshop with them, uh, partly because the pastor was feeling very concerned about the fact that they weren't doing enough around Black Lives Matter. Um, And she wanted the church to recognize that they needed to broaden their focus. And in the Mm. course of the conversations I had with them, at some point I said to the pastor, hey, if you stay with your focus on advocating with and on behalf of LGBTQ folks um, for basic civil rights in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, you're gonna end up dealing with homeless trans youth. You're gonna Mm -hmm. end up dealing with the intersection of black and gay and trans issues uh, around police brutality because um, trans black folks are dealing with police brutality on a higher level than, Mm -hmm. um, than other folks. If you're doing that work well, you're gonna deal with immigration issues because there are so many queer and trans immigrants Um, being abused by the immigration system just a few miles south of you. Um, You don't actually have to say, we're going to do this and this. If you do the one thing well, it's going to force you um, to deal with the other issues. So I don't know that we have to apologize for saying, here's the thing I work on, and that's part of how we build out our solidarity. I think when we try to do all the things, it – can be really depleting, really demoralizing, and incredibly lonely. So I think that there's a value to us connecting with other folks, doing the thing we work on. Um, yeah. That gives us energy as well. So that's kind of a thing I've been talking a lot about. And it's, like I said, terrifying to folks to hear me yeah. say that. Because yeah. it feels like then I can't do all the things. And I'm like, how, how well are you doing all the things right now? <laughs>
1: Right, right. Yeah, thank you for that.
5: <laughs> Maybe it's permission giving. I think I like to think it's empowering. I like to think that we bring more power when it's concentrated and there's a value to that.
6: Definitely.
1: Whew. So now I'm thinking about, you know, which areas are I'm so definitely someone who likes to uh not necessarily likes to, but I feel like Going from either place to place or subject to subject in terms of yeah, just being aware of what's happening.
5: Oh, yeah. I think that's valuable, though. I mean, it is. To know the, know all the stuff,
6: sure. Mm-hmm.
5: And to be okay with the fact that I can't be the lead person on every single thing is also oh, okay. yeah. <laughs> I, I
1: personally do not want to be the lead person on anything. Well, yeah, that's um, fair. Just, you know, just, like, <laughs> wanting to show up as I can. Yeah, it, oof. I think for for some folks, it's just uh, it's a lo- just recognizing and witnessing what's going on. It, it's there's there's so much.
5: So you know the other? Do I have time to do one other tangent? Because I know this has been like tangent after tangent already.
1: Sorry, can you repeat that, please?
5: Is it okay if I do one more tangent?
1: Oh, you can do many more tangents. <laughs> Don't limit it to. I feel like I've done a
5: lot of tangents already, so that's great. Um, So, you know, it's interesting because I think um, wanting to be seen doing the right work sometimes Mm. influences us. And I mention that because, like I said, I do a lot of racial justice work, but as far as my work in the streets, um, the work I do kind of in movement spaces and public spaces is much more around worker justice. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mentioned that because I've gotten arrested with fast food workers on more than one occasion, largely because they've said we need a clergy person to risk arrest with us because if we get taken to jail, um, we want someone in that space with us because it reduces again. the, li- Oh, sorry. Um, I'm sorry, uh, Roman. It's so hard. I apologize. It. Can you oh, not no, hear me no. at all?
1: Please don't, please don't apologize. It's the technology. <laughs> um, you were saying that you have been arrested with fast food workers because they said they need a clergy person. Yeah so,
5: yeah, so fast food workers have said if a clergy person goes to jail with us, the likelihood of abuse goes down mm. considerably and because <sighs> they know we have a public outlet. So I I have done that on more than one occasion. When mm-hmm. the movement for Black Lives really uh, took off, a number of my friends were in the very center of planning some of the actions that were really disruptive, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I got invited to a rally one time, and it was only once I was there that I was like, oh, the rally's a decoy for the fact that they're going in to shut down the, um, the courthouse uh, or to disrupt mm-hmm. activity in the courthouse and so all of my friends are sitting in a circle in the middle of the courthouse while i'm out at this rally and i had total feelings about it i was like don't they know i'm down for the cause don't they know that i would Mm. risk a risk too and then i was like oh actually it's okay that my primary place where i do the biggest boldest work is with workers and they know that and so they've said hey for this one just be a crowd builder we've got it um And so there was a little bit of me that was like, oh, I was worried that they didn't see me as essential to the work. They didn't see me Mm. as willing to show up for them in that way. And so I I had a moment of kind of confronting the fact that um, my mother's favorite kind of Bengali saying uh, that she and I quote to each other a lot is, it is not enough to do the thing, it is, being seen to do the thing that matters. Um, And Mm. I think I have internalized some of that, right? And and when they say that, it's like, it's not enough to wash your hands. The family has to see you wash your hands for it it. to count. Otherwise, they'll make you wash your hands again in front of them. Uh, And Hmm. so I realized I had internalized some of that. Um, And so my desire to be seen, to be in solidarity with the Movement for Black Lives was getting in the way of the way I could actually be useful um yeah. so I've been thinking about that a lot lately is how much of me wanting to be a part of all these things is me wanting to make sure people know I'm the kind of person who mm-hmm. shows up for those mm-hmm. things yes so yeah. I'm just gonna keep showing up for the people who want me to show up um, mm-hmm. and uh I'll, I'll I will and I will uh, take my position in the back of the crowd in the other places
1: yeah Cause that's
5: important too
1: it's, it's Quite relatable. It makes me think a lot about ego in terms of activism, you know, has been often a topic of conversation, and I think especially for us white folks, where there's that, like, white savior piece that comes in, and also just other, I think also with folks online, too, where it's that, the cause, people who end up making it more about themselves than about what they're fighting for. Yep. And how to kind of detach from that, and I think also part of that's just due to what we've been taught, where we haven't been taught about solidarity and communities working together. We've been taught about we've been taught about this one leader here and there. Um, I remember growing up yep. learning about Rosa Parks and not learning about the that the bus boycott had been ongoing and people have been doing this for a long time. Yeah. So I think it very much leads people, uh, myself included, to be this this idea that oh, it has to be just this person of really working with one another to do it together.
5: Yes. I think one of the reasons that William Barber is one of my heroes is because Mm -hmm. anytime somebody calls him the next Dr. King, he gets really mad. Yes. (laughs) It's not just that he's being humble and he's like, no, no. He's like, no, that is not how movements work. Movements are destined to fail if you make one person the center of them. Um, Yes. And so I'm really grateful for that uh, wisdom and that modeling. Um, mm-hmm. And even so, we have a tendency to do it. So l- here I am being like, and that's why Dr. Barber is my hero. <laughs> 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 so, yeah, it's tricky.
6: Yeah.
1: No way. There's uh, There's so much good Hello. Yeah, I can still oh, hear you. Okay. Me. Okay. Fun with technology. Yeah, there's there's so much there's so much here to, to discuss certainly, and I think also just with organizing via social media now, and then what's safe and what's not safe with surveillance. And in some ways, I think perhaps I'm taking this conversation in a different direction, but when I've heard or read about organizing. In the sixties and seventies, with oh, people were just making photocopies, and there wasn't so much surveillance, <laughs> and people didn't have cell phones, and so in some ways it was easier to get away with not get away, but like easier to organize. I mean, there was surveillance then, but like not to the extent that er, there is now, where uh, you know our phones could be listening to us, uh-huh. and there's cameras out on every street corner.
5: Uh-huh. So yeah, I think that's yeah. I think that's true, and um. Yeah, it's fascinating. I've been watching some of the conflicts that are playing themselves out within the modern-day civil rights movement, uh, Mm -hmm. where Mm -hmm. people are dragging each other and people are defending each other. And somebody recently, somebody who had lived through the 70s, through the Black Power movement, was like, y'all, this is just an old-school pro strategy.
6: Yeah, to get everyone everyone fighting each each other. Yeah.
5: Yeah, exactly. Um, and it's been really interesting to kind of watch people say, I am 100% sure that this has been, this conflict has been generated um, mm. to, to diminish the power of the movement. Yeah. Um, so, I do think that it was possible to dip your toe in and back out um, in the 60s and 70s and be a little bit less visible. Um, Mm -hmm. I think it is still very possible today to do that um, because I think we still get to choose the level of engagement and uh, that we, yeah, we get to choose the level of engagement and the level of risk in most of the actions we participate in, Mm -hmm. so, and it's interesting because I I was trained in faith-rooted organizing by Alexia Salvatierra, and she always makes us talk about democracy, and she's like, you can say what you want about all of the ways that democracy doesn't work in this country. She's Mm -hmm. like, y'all, I used to organize in the Philippines.
4: Mm. You don't know
5: what not-democracy looks like. Um, Uh. And so there's a certain element of, if you are risk-averse, there are still places in the street for you. Because there are actions that, um, that run a low risk of being surveilled in those ways. So I kind of yes. feel like there's still plenty of spaces for risk-intolerant folks to participate if they want to. Um, yes.
6: yeah.
5: And I also think that there are horrific things happening to people that don't need to because of the police state, right? Like Seattle's of a course. great example of that um or what's happening in Minneapolis right now is a great yeah, example yes. of that. So and two things happened in true. Portland last summer. Yep. Oh, I said Seattle and I meant Portland. I'm s- Oh although yeah. Stuff yeah. Although happened in Seattle, Seattle too. too, yep. But and Portland I mean, was ongoing for yeah. like a month at least, more than a month. Um so yeah, and what's happening in Minneapolis now also. You know, it's interesting cuz I'm really grateful to some of our movement elders for making sure that we attention to global solidarity even mm. when we're doing very local work. Mm-hmm. And I've got a student in one of the classes I teach who's from Burma. And mm. it's caused me to pay a lot more attention to the news going on in Burma right now. Some, yes. of that, some people would call it Myanmar. The people I know who are activists call it Burma because mm-hmm. um, the history of it, as long as it's been called Myanmar, has been wrapped up in um, Police state violence. Um, although both names are okay, I think, depending on who you're talking with. Um, but what's going on there, day after day, fam- whole families are showing up in the streets. I mean,
6: mm. the.
5: They. I think I have seen that over half of the country is engaging in, rebel uh, in protest actions against the, uh, the military uh, coup. <laughs> That's mind-blowing to me. And the things that are happening are horrific. They are targeting children. They are blowing up families. Mm -hmm. The things that the military is doing are very, very reckless, and those actions are meant to convey we will be indiscriminate in our Mm -hmm. punishment of your resistance. Mm -hmm. And even so, millions of people are engaged in ...public acts of resistance. Um, And I think it's really important for us to be paying attention to what it means to fight for democracy. And particularly in light of the fact that... um, ...for those of us who have paid any attention... ...Ansung Yuki was a huge heroine of a lot of ours when she was imprisoned. And then once she became Prime Minister-President... ...I can't remember which... um, she started collaborating with the military and doing harm to uh, minoritized groups in that mm, country. And who is this? Yeah. I'm sorry, Ansang Sung Ki, who was a, resista- uh, a resistance movement leader in Burma, uh, mm. and she wasn't allowed to go and get the Nobel Prize because she was imprisoned. Um, mm-hmm. And then she became the leader of the country, and everybody was so excited. Um, mm-hmm. And then she ended up letting the horrific violence against Muslims that has happened in Burma mm. over the past uh, five years, she she permitted it to happen. And I think we were all mm. shocked. And so she is a very imperfect leader. And during this political uh, – during this coup, she was imprisoned again, and people are marching to demand her freedom. And mm. to me, that's actually a really important for us th- – thing for us to sit with as movement folks because right now within US-based radical leftist movements, there's a lot of I call it um, purity politics.
1: Mm, there's a lot of yeah. only
5: wanting the perfect leader and Which none isn't. of us is. Yes, And so to watch Burmese people risking their lives and their families' lives to demand the dignity of a woman that they know has, d- has participated in some horrific stuff is important. Mm-hmm. Um, it's important for us to pay attention to. So I'm learning a lot as I'm paying attention to some of our movement siblings around the country. I know last year everybody was talking about um, how we needed to learn to be water um, in the same <laughs> way that our uh, movement colleagues in Hong Kong were doing. I think we yeah. have some things to learn from our – our Burmese family as we do movement work now
1: indeed thank you for bringing that up
5: yeah it's not something that's on a lot of Americans radars I think it's my proximity to I mean West Bengal the region of India that my father's from is Mm -hmm. not that far from Burma and so it's just a little more on my radar than a lot of folks in this country probably
1: and I mean all the more reason to continue talking with one another because also just important to get accurate information like I've you didn't have a full sense of what was happening. Right. And it's just, of course, it's so, just to get, like, first-hand uh, experience um, yeah. from that is just the is the best option.
5: Yeah, I totally agree. Totally agree. Yeah, we need to share these stories with each other.
6: mm mm-hmm. oh.
1: I'm thinking also just about how, you know, growing up in this country is just how the history was so very much focused. History, if you would call it that, I guess I, I should say rewritten history, focused on the United States, and very little beyond that was maybe Europe. So just how whitewashed history became from a, from yeah. a very young age as children, like what we learn about. And then even with the news media and what they talk about and the points of view that they So I think all just because they want to maintain power.
5: Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, we have some opportunities to tell a different story. This will be, I recognize that this might be controversial with your audience, and I want to be really clear that what I'm about to say is not a reflection on your beliefs or the beliefs of the show. I also think we get taught a history of war in order to cause us to not learn how nonviolent resistance has actually achieved a great deal Mm -hmm. um, on behalf of so many people. Um, And so I I know that's controversial. I get a lot of flack for it in a lot of the movement spaces I get, because I think a lot of my colleagues think that my commitment to nonviolence is really naive. And I would make the argument that it's a moral, not the moral, but it's a moral stance, but it's also um, it's also a stance born of data that actually Mm -hmm. more long lasting political change at Mm -hmm. national levels has been achieved through nonviolent resistance over the past hundred years than through violent resistance. Um, that's true in Europe, it's true in South America, it's true in Central America, it's true in North America, it's true uh, across uh, Africa. The one place it's not completely true of is Asia, but the interesting thing about Asian data is that neither violent nor nonviolent resistance yields a significant amount of sustainable uh nationwide political change mm. um and i don't know why that is because that's not my area of expertise but mm-hmm. um but i mention that because i think we also get a mi- and we also get a militarized history that teaches us um that military resistance is the way things are changed which mm. also makes us feel smaller and less effective because yeah they will always have bigger, better guns than we do. They yeah. will always be able to wipe us out if they want right. to. Right. Um, and so I think that part of the way we get taught history is also a militarized history mm-hmm. that causes us to be unaware of how powerful our nonviolent resistance movements can be and have been.
6: Mm-hmm.
5: Like I said, Not a popular opinion in my circles these days because they're like, you just want to take away our guns so we can't fight them. And I'm like, eh, I just don't think you're ever going to win with the guns. Mm. Uh, So again, not a popular opinion. Um, So I wanted to put in that disclaimer because it makes me a bad anarchist to feel that way.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, There's always new ways to be anarchist. Every day I find a new one. You know, but again, it's like not like a purity. I mean, that, that's the right. opposite. It, right? Right. Like, there are so many different ways and like different yes. experiences. And also, every single person experiences the world in a different way. And we all have different, like, it's just different circumstances and, like, how we're treated by faith. Like, it's, oh,
4: yeah. It, make,
1: it only makes sense that we would have varying uh, ideas and, not even ideas, because, I mean, this is, like, actual information that you're sharing, but, like, yeah. perspectives on what works and what's best for yeah. you and it's I feel like it's just, it's going to be as always just a diversity of tactics that will Absolutely. that will win and Absolutely. yeah, I totally totally uh, agree with that and also just with the militarization, that's something I harp on a lot it's just not just the fucking military budget, which stupid ass administration is like yeah. also plenty of, you know, can't raise the minimum wage can't get <laughs> Like, <laughs> abolish student debt. Um, can't ensure nope. everyone has housing or food or health care, right. but, you know, the Pentagon's getting more money. Meanwhile, the U.S. military is the biggest polluter in the world and also causes atrocities yeah. around the world. Yep. <sighs> oh, my point. What was my point? Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's going well, um, Not like just the after. budget, but militarism the, in general. Yes, and, like, the, the, how police have become so militarized over the years. And also with, like, Hollywood and movies. And I love movies. I, I, yeah. I love movies, I'm an actor, and, like, yeah. it's so disturbing that, like, so many of the, you know, films have started uh, coming back into production again, and it still is very much like, it's another cop show, it's another war movie, yep. and it's, like, it's how the military-industrial complex is also just pushed right into our bedrooms or wherever we have a TV or a phone in terms of, enter- quote-unquote, entertainment, and even as actors, it's like, oh, great, I... And I personally refuse to audition as a role of a cop. I don't think I'd be a believable cop anyway. But <laughs> it, it's just like, God, oh, why aren't they? Where's the big hippie movie or something? Yeah. It's, a, it's like there's so many war mutant cops and, and soldiers. And uh, it's just it feel, it's just every aspect of our lives, I feel, is just uh, indoctrinated by this war propaganda.
5: Absolutely which reminds me i think i know i've already told you this story but um i was in chicago for d- doing a training when uh sorry to bother you came out and oh. so i reached out to one of my besties who's an anti-racism trainer with me and i was like yvonne do you want to go see this movie because i really want to see it the weekend it opens and yes. so we found a place that was showing on the south side of chicago and we went to it and after the movie she was like I didn't know you talk through movies. I was like, not all movies, just this movie. Because, like, as soon as you came on screen, I was like, I know that person. That's Uh. my friend. Roman's in this movie. Did you know? I know Roman. And (laughs) and Yvonne's like, I'm trying to watch the movie. I was like, I know, but I want to make sure you see them.
1: Oh. I feel so grateful to have been in a film that was directed by an out-communist. Yes. It's like I mean, it's, I'm grateful to get work anyway, but then to be um, in a movie that was so creative and question the status quo yes. and have ardent leftist messaging, I feel like it was yes. so rare and such a beautiful opportunity, and also that it was filmed in Oakland. I feel oh just my gosh, so totally grateful to, to have had that opportunity.
5: What was particularly joy-bringing to me was when he gets into his dream apartment, it is mm-hmm. the apartment I had always fantasized about living in. It's the it's the <laughs> same building, like it's yes. kind of I, I call it Oakland's Flatiron Building. Uh, yeah, yeah. And I was like, oh, look at him! He's living the life I always dreamed of. You know, <laughs> it was really <laughs> fun. I got and then he's you know he's going out for drinks at the bar that I used to hang out at, and it's all just glorious. Yeah.
6: Yes. Yeah.
4: As oh. well
5: as it being such a prophetic film, it was just so on point. It was great, Indeed. and as Indeed. and had a great soundtrack. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. But I was super excited that you were a part of it. I was like, it all makes sense. That's the perfect casting.
1: I, oh yeah, I loved it. <laughs> it was like yeah, no. protesting. Yes, it was great. It, and and so oftentimes on films, they. You can't wear any buttons or any shirts with logos right. or anything, and I, right. you don't see it in the film, but I had, like, a messenger bag that had, like, a Trans Liberation Now button, oh and it was totally God. fine for me just to have, but even though it wasn't on screen at all, it was still just felt more, I guess, humanizing just to yeah. be um, able to be more myself, I guess, Yes. Other rather than stripped down of any individuality.
5: Yes, absolutely. Were you in, do I remember that you were in the scene where Kamau was there as well, or am I making that up?
1: I don't believe I was there okay. for that scene. I was in one of the, some some of the office scenes and then the protest scene.
5: Yes. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, yeah, I couldn't remember if you were in uh, in the mix during that scene or not, but yeah, uh, anyhow. It had a lot of cameos that wouldn't have maybe been exciting for anyone except people from the Bay Area, but they were pretty great cameos. Oh, yeah,
1: for sure. Well, hopefully there'll be there'll be more soon.
5: Absolutely. From
1: Boots Riley. I yeah. hope so.
5: It ended on a cliffhanger. I'm waiting for the sequel. <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> well, uh, I mean, Army Hammer, speaking of uh, some kind of on-point casting there. Oh, yeah. yeah.
6: <sighs>
1: <laughs> anyway.
6: <laughs>
5: oh wow uh. just out of curiosity are there other films that you've been really proud to be connected with nope
1: <laughs> <laughs> that's me being um, I don't know maybe, um, I mean I've, I've been always grateful to get work it's so you know it's competitive and there's not as many productions up here as there are sure. uh, like in LA or New York certainly yeah. And then, especially its background, it's very, and then even for me, like, as a, you know, someone who's on the mas- masculine end of the spectrum and, and white, like, I have more options, I think, for roles than other folks do. So even with that, um, it's still just very limited in terms of getting cast in. Anything. So, yeah. um, um, but, like, as far as, like, nothing to the level of Sorry to Bother You that I feel like I was so proud of. Be yeah. affiliated with, or something I'm so excited about. Yeah. And, um, I mean maybe uh, yeah. I'm trying to. I'm thinking right now, and it's nothing that like there's that show called Chance on Hulu with Hugh Laurie.
5: Oh, neat.
1: Um, you get to meet Hugh Laurie here. Um, I was in a scene where I was like behind him at a book there's a photo of it, it still that ended up being at Entertainment Weekly, so it looked like oh I had a friend found, so it looked like I was, like, doing, like, a lot in the show, I was, like, in the trying to organize leftist books to be shown on camera. And, <laughs> <laughs> camera. Yes. and you know, we're always instructed, especially as, as background, like, to, like, talk to the stars or not right. service, and like, you might be fired, and so there's that right. part of me that's also, like, eh, and that was also years ago, So I was, like, Attempted to talk to him, but I didn't say anything. So I was just kind of looking through books, and he was looking through books, and that was that. <laughs> um, and there was this other show, which I think didn't. They were filming a pilot for it, which was about this cop who, a dead cop, who unfortunately comes back to life, and he, uh, <laughs> he didn't. They ended up not filming it, but like the first day, I was like, uh, it was like I was photographing a cadaver on the beach, as one does. <laughs> and um, on the second day, they were filming in Oakland, and it was just, like, the second day was just kind of rough, and things didn't go so well. And as far as I know, they haven't made it. It was with Ryan Phillippe. So, anyway, that was something where I was like, oh, I don't really have to be a part of uh, another, you know, propaganda-type program. Right. Um, and it is a popular genre. It is. It really is. It's like, oh, I have another friend who's on. Monitor SPU, that seems to be especially for New York actors, a very popular Yep. And I, I get it. Like work is work.
5: Yep, absolutely. Yeah, no shade. That's that's the gigs that are going. Yep.
6: Uh.
5: Although I could actually see you getting a role as a cop. Have you seen um gosh, what's the name of that guy? Welsh actor. Um who plays
1: Christian Bale. Nope. Um, my Welsh knowledge is. that. Uh,
5: I uh, didn't know Christian Bale was Welsh. There you H- go.
1: H- H- um so I'm pretty sure. I hope I don't get any hate mail from like Christian Bale <laughs> <laughs> like, Welsh. I'm pretty sure he was at least born there, though.
5: <laughs> no, the guy I I'm thinking
1: of
5: He plays a cop in Bridesmaid.
1: Oh. Oh, that guy. Irish. Um, Are you sure? The guy who's like crowd, Chris O'Dowd. Yeah, he was in the.
5: IT Crat, oh, that name is pretty Irish. I was sure he was Welsh. I mean, He's in this maybe brilliant maybe. Welsh show called Moon Boy. Um, uh-huh. I just always assumed he was Welsh. Anyhow, don't, yeah, so maybe I'll get the hate mail. Um, oh, so and
1: I was wrong here. Christian Bale was, uh, well, it's the UK English.
5: So hey, I was mistake. born in England. That doesn't mean I was English.
1: Yeah, uh, oh, wait, he was born in Wales. There you
5: go. You win.
1: Whale. Well, okay. Woo! <laughs> and then the, do you also have to worry about your pop culture knowledge to be, to be Seriously.
5: Seriously. So, so, for the record, I feel like if uh, Chris O'Dowd could pull off a cop, so could you.
1: Yeah, I would. Okay, thank you.
5: Wouldn't I'm it be great so if like you got like to play a cop who was who became radicalized?
6: And yeah. Like, in a good like way.
5: Sorry, not the other kind of radicalized. There's a lot oh of those sure, cops. Sure. I mean, they're already, they already are, I feel, for the most part,
1: radicalized. Yeah, I know. That's why I wanted to
5: clarify. A cop who gets radicalized towards true. the good.
1: Yeah. <laughs> like a Serpico type of thing, like turning in the, the, be- the other cops yes. to cause causing harm. Yes. Well,
5: Taking down a that to with I would
1: encourage all the cops who listen to this show that I got speak out against your yes your brethren who are causing great harm.
5: Amen. Because when what what's the saying now? Um, if there are 99 good cops and one bad apple, and the 99 yeah. cops keep their mouths quiet, then there's actually 100 bad cops.
6: Yes. So we it's need bad. you to
5: be the good cops you want to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, all of, all of the police officers are listening to the show right now
1: should do that. Huge <laughs> uh, amount. <laughs> I hear I hear <laughs> but, um, I hear just love like all of the, uh, the rhetoric I share about them and anti-police songs that I play. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I love it. I love it. We <laughs> all have our kinks, I guess.
5: <laughs> that would 100% be a fascinating fetish.
1: I'm me like taken down and knocked a <laughs> podcaster with <laughs> a few thousand followers. that uh, yes. <laughs> doesn't have any I sponsorship.
5: <laughs> oh, that's beautiful. That's beautiful.
1: <gasps> oh, it's really good to talk with you.
5: Likewise, Roman. I'm so glad I we got to connect.
1: Yeah, I'm so glad you reached out. It's, it's that thing I know a lot of folks. And, I mean, I'm definitely more of an introvert general but then this past year it's been yeah. particularly difficult I think just to, to sometimes to reach out to people and then I'm not on Facebook much and that's where I think I was able to right. connect with folks Right. So I do feel like I miss out on overall it's been beneficial for my mental uh-huh. health yeah. Facebook has definitely had a lot of difficult times on there but at the same time I do miss out on seeing what people are up to
5: absolutely absolutely so I'm really glad we connected and it was sheerly because I was like Hey, I wonder if you'd like to come to my show. Uh, so Definitely. <laughs> so
1: it was super kind of you to create this space. I'm really yeah. grateful. Yeah, it's so good talking with you. And I remember you were a guest many years ago. Then, yeah. Uh, we were co-hosting the show together. That's right. And so it's really nice just to visit again with folks.
5: That was super fun. It was super fun to get to do it lo- like
1: in the studio. That was yes. really lovely. Yeah, and hopefully you know within a few months once it feels safer to do so, I hope to have folks. in again,
5: Yay. oh, that's great. I'm so grateful you do this, Roman. Oh, thank you. I'm grateful for what you do. Thanks. I'm still figuring out what I'm doing these days, but I appreciate it.
1: <laughs> you are. You're. I mean, you're sharing some of this, like really valuable information with folks and working with people on really. At times, can be like really difficult subjects, and yeah. to have someone who is as knowledgeable and present about this is just so like it can be it's so healing and also with the books that you're writing uh, will inspire i'm sure many many people
5: i really appreciate that
1: move forward with doing what's right in the world and it sometimes it feels like there's the world against us and then
6: Uh
5: you know
1: have a conversation like this and there's like oh there are so many people yeah incredible work just not even just the work itself but just who you are as a person, making uh. the world a more equitable place.
5: Thanks so much, friend.
1: Uh. Well, well, we'll post a link to the, uh, to, the, to the upcoming show. Oh, yay, thank you.
5: I'm super excited about it, and I really do still hope that you can come. Yeah, definitely.
1: I'm looking forward to it. I remember really? I went I think I went the last one. It uh, was at the Hormel Center.
5: Yeah.
1: i you watching this, and then hopefully next year it'll be in person once again.
5: I hope so, too. Yeah, oh, I'm ready. Well, I'm, I'm ready to be fully vaccinated. I'm ready to be at full immunity. I've been dating someone for four months, and we haven't gotten to hold hands yet. Oh! So, oh. I'm ready. I'm ready for this all to be over.
1: be <laughs> hands even sooner. Yes, I really appreciate that. Yeah. Thank you so much, Shonda. This has been really lovely.
5: I've really had tons of fun, Roman. I really appreciate it. Alright, I'm gonna turn my camera on to see if, even if we get a little glitchy, at least I can say goodbye. Yeah, I really
6: can see you. You too. Love Sending you. Fun. The bay.
5: Yay! I can feel them.
6: I wish you could send me digital
5: burritos from your neighborhood.
1: That's really what um, I'd like. <laughs> Okay, let me work on that. Let me <laughs> add that to the list. <laughs> oh, all
5: right, friend. I'll talk right. to you soon.
1: Okay, take care.
5: You too. Bye. bye.
1: All right. Big thanks to Shonda Ja for that wonderful conversation. And on our website at weeklyrev.org we have a post that will be going up very shortly that has links to Shonda's website as well as the many books that she's written. And also, a link to the invite for Show Us Your Spines which is a queer and trans BIPOC artist residency presentation, which is happening April 22nd from 6 to 7.30 p.m. Pacific Time. You can find that at twitch.tv forward slash studsf. And if you would uh, please go to uh, Shonda's website, it is s-a-n-d-h-a, excuse me, s-a-n-d-h-a, D-H-Y-A-J-H-A dot com. And again, that's S-A-N-D-H-Y-A-J-H-A dot com. And we also have a link on, will be up on our website, weeklyrev.org, so you can find much more information. All right, we're going to take a bit of an extended music break here and then get back into a few news stories and action items that folks can take um, in regards to pushing back against some of the awful anti-trans bills that have been Making their way around the country and also just sharing a bit of information about what's been happening at in Brooklyn Center. So uh yeah, excited music break, and then we'll be back in a bit. So please do stay tuned. Well,
7: every evening when all my I'm some the evening past five, making records, this a groovy I find I say yeah, yeah, that's what I say, I say yeah,
6: yeah,
7: my baby loves me, she gets me feeling so fine, she loves me, she makes me know that she's mine, when she kisses, I feel the fire get hot, she never misses, she gives it all that she's got, and when she asks me, if the thing is okay, I got my answer. Through. it's hard to tell you, because I'm trembling so, but pretty baby, I want you all for my own, I'm ready, to leave those others alone, don't need to ask me, if everything is okay, I got my answer, the only thing I can say, I say yeah, yeah, that's what I say, I say yeah, yeah. Thrill, it's hard to tell you, because I'm trembling still. But pretty baby, I want you all for my own. I am ready to those others alone. No need to ask me if everything is OK. I got my answer. The only thing I can say, I say yeah, yeah. That's what I say, I say yeah, yeah. shit
1: Go to the Rev.org, we've got archives of previous shows up there, as well as articles that we shared on the program, and links to the playlist of the music, because we play music on the show every every week. It's important to remember. i going to go over some information. There have been numerous protests against police uh, that have been happening, constantly happening, uh, in particular with all in New York City. tunnel, flowers, and YPD. Big numbers and considered multiple forms of oppression, but eventually. And I share a lot of these uh, articles on, uh, pieces of information. And also in Brooklyn Center, folks have been. and the police have become more and more militarized. They've been shooting tear gas, which has been banned, but they do it anyway. They've been arresting people who come out of their homes in their bathrobes, being like, what the fuck's going on here? So, and all of this just because uh, uh, they refuse to acknowledge that they are killing people. Uh, Chicago, A 13-year-old, Adam Toledo, was killed recently up, and it's just there's no it's just fucking disgusting anything about this that hasn't already been said police should be abolished and yeah, I'm going to put that right there state and local governments collectively spend more on policing than most countries do on their military. So here, that fucking trend, that really, oh it's billion, U.S. is at $731 billion over that, $400,000. U.S. police, $118 billion that the U.S. spends on policing think about how much those funds could be to things that we've mentioned here before on the show, provide people housing, health care, food, clean drinking water, education, art, how about funding the fucking arts? How about that? That would be pretty nice. So, uh, again, it feels like things are pretty fucking backwards. All the funds. So many of the funds are going to militarization, which causes great harm. minutes here off so I did want to get again it's similar to what we were talking about in the conversation. so much to get to and also everything hate violence so I did want to get to thinking about ways that folks can push back against like trans legislation that's been uh, occurring very rapidly in over 30 states in the country and this is a discussion thread on reddit and I'll post a link on our website org also if you appreciate the show and want to um, support us, we have a Patreon that's up, I have to go to weeklyrev.org, to Patreon, or you go to patreon.com forward slash weeklyrev, dollar a month or more, greatly appreciated. So this is a thread, what you can do to help stop the anti-LGBT backlash. Many of you, especially the trans people, are, are asking, what can I do? The answer is plenty. Wherever you are, you can help. Here is more. Step one, awareness. Most people think this is about sports or saving children from irreversible surgery. But what these laws really do is far worse than what most people think. The trans sports bans and bathroom bills open up all women, cis and trans, to invasive on-demand checks of their genitals, blood, or birth certificate. How else can you prove that uh, the woman is trying to get on the team or into the quote-unquote wrong bathroom is How else can you prove The religious bills open up all LGBTQ to having their health care denied at every step of delivery. Sorry, my pastor says gay marriage is a sin, so I won't fill your prescriptions. This church-supported hospital system does not perform surgeries for lesbians. There are huge swaths of this country only served by religious hospitals, and these bills threaten to force LGBTQ to either move to another area or just accept that they might not have access to medicine, even if they can pay for it themselves. Also, most of these trans, most of the trans healthcare bans criminalize support for trans children as felony child abuse. Doctors who followed their Hippocratic oath would lose their license. Parents who supported their children would have them taken away from them and thrown into foster care. These bills threaten to break up loving families. In any other circumstances, we would call this a war crime. So tell people what these laws really mean. Send them this letter, and they have a link. From 1,500 parents describing the ordeal their families are going through, forward it to every parent of a trans, non-binary, or gender-expansive child you know to sign also. Show them this map, and they have a link, so they can see how widespread this attack is, or the simplified version for just the healthcare bans. What if they they want to discuss the science? Well, if they really want to get into the details, here are some references. If they want to dig into the medical side, here is an interesting video from Dr. Powers, if they want a broader audience, this short documentary from Real Stories is fantastic. And they have links to all of these things that I'm mentioning. It will be available on our website. Okay, so the laws are awful and widespread and completely against the real science for trans people. What's next? Step two, show your support. Join the Count Me In campaign from the Human Rights Campaign. Get banners for your social media. Get your free sticker. Sign the pledge. Add your name to the list Going to your going to your own state legislature. This stuff is free and quick. If you have a little money, then buy a shirt or mask and pay for books for a library. If you have more um, money, they, they you can donate to the NCTE, the Lam- uh, Lambda Legal, ACLU, the HRC. Um, I'm also just going to put in uh, Trans Lifeline because that is a really important organization that is run by trans folks for trans folks. It's a number, a hotline number that folks can call, and they also I- offer micro grants. So Trans Lifeline as well. Step three, employees. The workplaces where many of us spend most of our, le- our time, even if that work for now is from home due to COVID, and employers are required by law to provide safe workplaces for everyone, regardless of sex, gender, sexual orientation, gender identity, and many other factors. Most employers find this not only morally right, but good business. It turns out that employees who feel comfortable being themselves are also more productive and creative and improve online. But as employees, we are generally very limited in discussing politics or charity at work by our codes of conduct, which say that politics can only be handled by the corporate office and soliciting for charity doesn't happen on work time or equipment. So what can you do? Plenty. Before you start down this list, see if your company has a pride or LGBTQ employee network. Give this list to them as they are the appropriate means of getting LGBTQ issues in front of the company's leadership. You don't have a group, Try at the HR department or legal. Hell, try both. 1. Establish that this is not about politics or charity. This is truly a national-scale human rights crisis. They are talking about breaking up families and examining women's genitals for crisis. People are seriously leaving their home states in search of safety for their families. The effects of these laws will touch every family with LGBTQ in the country. 2. This is widespread and urgent. You have a duty to your employer to notify them of this issue since it will impact their customers, their suppliers, and them. Send them this letter, currently signed by 70 major companies. That clearly spells out how these laws will harm their employees, their competitiveness, and the economy. Hurting LGBTQ is bad for business. Three, if your employer can sign the letter, point out some of the names on it. Oh, wow, there's a lot of big companies that I wow, IBM? Microsoft, AT&T, Verizon, Wells Fargo, Dow, Bayer, uh, Union Pacific, American Airlines, Pfizer. These aren't socially <laughs> activist companies, I would say. As a matter of fact, they're almost anti-socially activist. But anyway, i glad they've signed it at least. Uh, most of these are presented as the villain when they come up. Oh, here we go. Okay. Uh, most of these are presented as the villain when they come up in the, quote, unquote, liberal news. Eight of these, eight of the 30 Dow... Jones Industrial Average Companies are here. This is about business. It turns out that disrupting the lives of up to 5% of a state's workforce might not be the best environment for making money. Four, if your employer is really nervous, point out that the letter does not call for action against any specific person, government, or political party, nor is it a fundraiser. Nor is it asking for social change. It's actually, conservatively, asking for no change. Under most corporate codes of conduct, this specific letter fits within the bounds and can be talked about internally. So let's say you've done all this and your employer said no, they won't sign the letter. Even without the letter, there is a lot they can do to help. Send them this list below. Step four, employers. Hello, business owner, you're in a hard place. You have employees and/or dependents who are being targeted and can't work for you at the productivity level you need them to, but you also aren't in a position to stick your neck out. Here are some things you can do without broadcasting to the world that will make a real difference for your people. If you have an employee assistance program, the one with the professional counselors and therapists, make sure it will support anyone who calls into it, even after COVID is finished. Tell your health insurance providers that they will lose you as a customer if they deny service to your employees based on religious objection. Your people will need lawyers to defend themselves if they are targeted. If you aren't on it already, get on the MetLife quiet legal plan. Cover the premium for your employees. If a vulnerable employee can telecommute for you, let them do that. You've probably already been doing that because of COVID, right? Give them the freedom to move to safety so that they don't have to resign in order to protect their family. If you have sites in the states that offer comprehensive legal protection for LGBTQ, namely California, Connecticut, D.C., Delaware, Iowa, Illinois, Massachusetts, Maryland, Maine, Minnesota, New Hampshire, New Jersey, New Mexico, Nevada, New York, uh, um, that one, Oregon, Rhode Island, Virginia, v- uh, Vermont, Washington. Then preferably invest in those states and offer transfers to vulnerable employers, employees in in those states. I gotta find out what OC is. Excuse me. No, they don't mean Orange County because that's not a state, and also. Conservative, and I'd be shocked if they meant like it was like okay for Oklahoma, but I'm not sure what state OC is supposed to be. This is in alphabetical order. This is a mystery. Um, well, we will find out. And this is what my wandering mind has done. Okay, here we go. Let's go back to this. If you don't have it already, you mean Ohio? Okay, if you don't have it already, get some LGBTQ training videos into your system. Here's a great list of ready-made videos available off Open Sesame. if you need something a bit more polished looking than YouTube. Make this training mandatory. Fully commit to being an inclusive workplace, even in areas that are not accepting. If you can't, put a Pride flag outside in June, then have a banner in the cafeteria and hallways. Tell employees they can wear their Converse Pride sneakers anytime. Pay for a van and lunch and take some people to the next Pride parade. Show your people that, even if you cannot publicly be branded a LGBTQ-friendly workspace, that you do care for them and will support them in this time of need. If you've got a right-wing AM radio or Fox News running in your break rooms, for God's sake, turn off that shit. Don't give the people who hate your employees a foothold in your workplace. If you don't have a pride LGBTQ group, start one. You have tremendous power to help your people. If you help them now, they will remember and fight for you, too. And this author's message to the haters. If you have, you have the state houses, you have unlimited money, and you have unlimited hate fueling your rage. But guess what? You are going to lose. We are here and not backing down. Those of us in safe places will make room to shelter those who must, for now, flee from you. Some of us will f- will f- fall and you will rejoice. But your victories, as daunting as they are right now, will not last. We are a family, a cantankerous Uh, raucous rabble of every color and every culture and every career. We argue, we fight, and we are very hard to herd in a common direction. But in the end, we have each other. More than that, we have ourselves. Our lives, our histories, figuring out who we really are, and the absolute certainty that nothing less than our true selves will do. Our true selves, that will be enough to beat you. We survived the police crackdowns, we survived AIDS, we defeated Don't Ask, Don't Tell, we got marriage equality. However long it takes, we will win this one, too. The day will come when you will look around and everyone you know has a trans friend, knows a gay friend, has a non-binary child. And your friends will tell you that LGBTQ are just normal, regular people. And why would anyone be so small that it would feel good to hurt them? And why would anyone be so small that it would feel good to hurt them? Live and let live. That's what your friends will say. And one day, you will agree with them. And all of us, even you, will win. That's optimistic. And I appreciate this list, um, so yeah, um, I've shared this on Twitter, and it's easy, I'm just speaking for my own self, it's so easy when I'm reading these bills, especially in Florida, they're ju- I mean, just fucking heinous, heinous bills that are really just like, they're condoning child abuse, and all under the guise of protecting people, which is just so absurd and bizarre and disgusting. And so it's h- easy for me when I read these, um, some of the bills that are coming out and people actually voting for them to feel frightened and scared and uh, just worried um, for trans youth. I mean, I already was feeling uh, worried for folks and also trans adults, and doesn't matter where you live. People shouldn't have to move where they're at in order to feel safe. It doesn't. It's not like oh well, come to this place and therefore you'll be safe. No. And even in these blue cities and blue states, there is homophobia and transphobia, and racism and classism, and that doesn't necessarily go away because you're in a place that's maybe less harmful. So I do appreciate the reminder that yes, we will win, and also not everyone has survived these uh, previous pandemics uh, in terms of AIDS virus. So um, yes, um, just trying to difficult to talk about. It's fucking terrifying, to be honest. And how many people are targeted based on their bodies in this country. And not to, dim- not to diminish, it's, just, it's more maybe how people are attacked based on what other people think of them. So disturbing. Well, now it's time to wrap up the show. And uh, to positive. Move. Again, we're talking about really serious things. Uh, it's a lot, so I don't want to like force a present. So I'm gonna play some more music uh, till the end of the program. And music can certainly say a lot more. So here we go. Thanks so much for tuning in, and we'll be back.
4: 300 plus years of them cold shoulders. Your 300 million never still got no focus. Sorry, America, but I would not be your soldier. Obama just wasn't enough. I need some more closure. And Donald Trump is not equipped to take this country. K's, two A's in America. I'm just a black space, born out the never look. And everything I do is say today date that's worthwhile. But for sure, it's fire Triggering the system, put my niggas in prison. All our history hidden. Ain't no liberty given. We your the description of what the documents written. We've been lacking the vision and barely making a different. We too worried to fit in while they been benefiting. Every time you submit it, we all you to your minute. The law will get you acquitted. But you to ever beginning for over your Religion. many times I gotta tell you I'm a man in the mission. Many times I gotta tell you I don't need On my hands the cause I was dealt three K's, two A's in america I'm just a black space born out the nebula And everything I do is say the data's worthwhile